0: So what I want us to see this morning is confidence in the Lord results in living with strength and courage. I'm not talking about heaven's coming. Hold on this morning. I'm not. We'll talk about that sometime. Heaven is coming. And it's a good promise that he's talking about now today. And so let me just encourage you with something. I never read, this is the honest truth, just being honest for a few minutes. I never read a book till probably I was about 30 years old. Just never really desired to. Read the Bible. Suffering came. I just want to encourage you. Read good biographies. This is one of John G. Patton. He was a missionary to Cannibals. Talk about him a little bit later. What good books, and especially good biographies and good stories of people who have lived, helps us understand that this life is supposed to be lived, not merely survived. It's what we want to see today. This confidence, this hope I read. I was reading an article by Michael Horton in Christianity Today. And he, he said that President Trump was speaking to evangelicals. I'm not sure when it was. Right before the election. And he what said, and we are one election away from losing everything. People who have lived helps us understand. So
1: his, his question this was in the article. Lived,
0: if, not merely if that's true... If what an election today, can cause us as Christians to lose everything, what did we really have in the first place? Was reading an article by Michael Horton in Christianity said. Today, and he. He said that However, the President Trump was speaking to evangelicals, I'm not sure when it was, or right before the election, and he said, books, and books, we are one election away from to losing everything. Lived and we don't us understand. The question like was in the article if, not merely we if that's that true, if an election can cause us as Christians to lose everything, what did we really have in the first place? reading an article by Michael Horton in Christianity Today, and he. He said that so we've however, been President Trump was speaking to him weekend fall retreat for the students. Been talking election about election. And he trial. said, Books, we, we are one election away from losing everything. and we, Christ lived. Lived. And we don't us understand. The question was in the article, what you if that's that true, if an election can cause us as Christians to lose everything, what did we really have in the first reading? An article by Michael Horton in Christianity Today, and he he said that and so however, we've been, President, President Trump was story. speaking to the even weekend future. fall retreat for the students. Been even talking about. And he, said, and he said Look, we are one election away from election election losing war. everything. We and we helps don't think understand. The question was in the article. We said many of us are afraid of the unknown. We are afraid of failing. We're afraid of blowing it. So how can we dispel this fear in our life? How can we just push it out and keep it out? The answer is with God-centered confidence. And so Psalms 26, Psalms 27, and next week, Psalms 28, it focuses us on seeking the Lord in his house. It's what David longed to do. So seeking God brings us into his presence. And in his presence, there is strength. Encourage, or in other words seeking God brings us to into his presence and it is only in his presence that we can receive God-centered confidence it's in his presence that it is sustained that's what I want you to see this morning in this Psalms, I tried to read it in such a way so that you called it verses 1 to 6 is this triumphant confident David He says a song, he would be singing it, triumphant, confident. And in verse 7, all of a sudden, the mood shifts. And then all of a sudden, now he's pleading for confidence. This is why we love the Psalms. And some people even, I read a lot of, this is two Psalms, because it's such a dramatic shift. It's not, it's one. Why? Because we oftentimes feel this way. Confidently get anxious. Trusting yet fearful wake up in confidence, go to bed in doubt so how do we how do we fight for this how do we how do we not only experience it how do we sustain it because like we've said so many times we leak <laughs> had it yesterday where did it go when I woke up this morning? Why am I so afraid? I want us to see look at verses one to start with. God-centered confidence dispels the fear of man. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, we've been talking about how to find these groups of related words and this poetry and understanding it so we can learn from it. And this one's easy. We see the Lord is. What is He? My light. My salvation's my stronghold. The result is what? Whom shall I fear? You see that? It's this point. And so we're seeing how do we dispel the fear of God? I heard it this week. I just don't understand it. When someone says this, they ought to know better. that you can somehow get here without theology. What is this? This is theology. This is how he gains his confidence. no knowing who God is, he said, God is light. This is a metaphor, one of three here. It's a picture of divine holiness, truth, life. is all that dispels darkness. Remember, there's another guy in the Bible who liked to talk about light and darkness. Remember him? It's John. John 1, 4 to 5, speaking of Jesus... In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Echoing this, amening his own first letter in First John, he said, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. So We see this almost these... Two words teaching us the same thing. He is both light and He is salvation. That is safety. Notice this. It's what He's saying. God's just not giving light. He's not just given salvation. He is light. He is salvation. You see, there's a difference. You can't get light nor safety in this life without Jesus. Because that's what He is. He gives himself. The psalmist is affirming in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of being surrounded by actual enemies that he can identify, and he has identified them, that his confidence is in a person, is in God, and he will not only deliver him, he will defend him, and he will defeat them. Continuing, verse 1, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. This is a fortified place. This is a strong defense. What God is. Got through singing it. Got through reading it. Sometimes He covers us. Sometimes He lifts us up. Sometimes He brings us in and surrounded by a fortified place so that the enemy cannot hurt us. This is what He's saying. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Next chapter over, Psalms 28, look at verse 8. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. It's not just trusting on Him giving something. He's trusting on who God is and who He is. He's my, notice this, my light, my salvation, my life. This is intimate knowledge of God's protecting presence in his actual life right now. Proverbs 18. Wonderful when you read Proverbs. See, son, giving us Proverbs here. Proverbs 18, verse 10. Look at it. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. This is the picture. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So he's his deliverer. He's his defense. And here's his trust. He will defeat them. Who's them? It's the enemy. Verse 2. When evil evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. They want to destroy me, but here's his confidence. You see it? You feel it? They will fall. They will fall. If that is a Yahweh-centered confidence. I'm convinced of this. Until you understand that God is a warrior, you'll never be able to see Him as a lover. And I am sorry today if I mention lover and somehow we think that's something wrong. It is our perverted minds who cannot understand the love of God because we cannot understand it in purity. God is a warrior, but he is also a lover, a warrior for his glory and for his people. A lover of his own glory and a lover to his people and to them alone. Let me paint a picture for you. And you tell me inside your mind what would happen. You look out the front window and you see your child or your grandchild running across the yard. And you maybe you think to start with, they're just playing. They're just acting goofy. But as they get closer, you can see the terror in their eyes. They're afraid. You look back and about 20, 30 steps behind them is a man. He's chasing them. And their goal is one thing. I'm going to the house because that's where mom and daddy is. And so they bolt through the door and you look up, this man's not stopping. He's coming in the door. I ask you at that moment, is it the warrior or the lover that's going to meet that man when he walks in the door? I say it's both. To love someone is to stand up against the one who seeks to destroy him. That's who God is. That's why He's confident. That's why He can say, Why should I fear a man? Why should I fear him? Verse 1, verse 3. But look at verse 3. When you see the army, this is a real reason for fear. Though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. He says, therefore, because of who God is, there's no reason to be afraid of whom. Verse 2, evil men. Verse 3, evil armies. Numbers do not matter to God. He's God. Students have already been studying about that. God is a warrior. Kill one, kill a million. He will protect his people. Isn't this what Moses was singing, Exodus 15? Remember the scene? They're at at the Red Sea there. They're at that moment. They're trapped in. We're going to die. The staff, the waters part. Remember that picture of your little child running across the yard trying to get in the house, and what happens as soon as they get in the house and the enemy tries to get them. Look at your God here. Exodus 15, 11 to 13. You remember what happened? This is what he's singing about. He's remembering what happened. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? I'm in verse 11. Exodus 15, verse 12. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You see that picture? God's children ran through on dry land and God said, and they were dead. Our God is a warrior, He's a warrior for His people, and He's a lover. He's a lover of his people. Remember Jesus in the garden? They came to him. Where's Jesus of Nazareth? You need to go back and read that account. What happened when he said, I am he? There was no fear. Not in him. And so Paul, writing Romans 8, speaks to us. We've already been speaking about the cross, but listen where we start. Romans 8.31, we love this text. It says, what then shall we say to these things? Oh, if we had time to go back and read Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 32. This This is the foundation. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge to, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that who was raised, who sits at the right hand. It goes on to say, no matter what happens in your life, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God-centered confidence. David had it in his Lord. We have it in our risen King. And this, and this alone, dispels the fear of man. And yet it's true, isn't it? We still get scared. It dispels the fear of man, but we still get anxious. It seems like I can't live on and with yesterday's confidence, doesn't it? I need God to sustain me. I need Him to strengthen me fresh for today. So God centered confidence is sustained, listen, through our devotion to God. Look at verse 4. Back to Psalms 27. One thing. One thing I have asked of the Lord. And that one thing will I seek after. So everything we see now is one thing. Devotion to God. Your devotion to God is visible in your life. We talked about last week that if we go up to a spring where it comes out of the ground. Living water of Christ. We put our Faith in Him. And then what flows down the stream is the visible way you live your life. What people see is what they smell. It's you. Did you know? That's part of your sustaining your God-centered confidence. Many of us begin to wane in our devotion. We wane in our God-centered confidence. So He says, God, one thing I seek, it's what I want. I want to dwell I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Do you see this? This is right now. This is right now seeking. This is right now dwelling. He wants to experience this now. David knew he was a warrior king. David had dropped many men on the ground. He had. He fought many battles. One on one and enemies around him. He had fought many, but he longed. To be more than just a warrior king, he longed to be a priestly king. He longed to say, oh, if I could just live in or around God's temple in his presence all the time. That's what I want. I want to dwell in his presence. I want to serve Yahweh. That's what I want. You see, it's in the midst of this seeking. This presence of God, that the enemies begin to shrink down to the size they really are in comparison to your God. Psalms 23. We love Psalms 23. Verse 6 says this. You see this now, not yet reality. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Goodness and mercy now. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is what he wanted to do now. And what he knew he would do forever. He wanted nothing else. So what's he doing? What does he want to do in in the house of the Lord? To dwell there. Well look at the end of verse 4. We see delighting. That's what he wants to do. He wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. What does he mean? We need need to pay attention right here. He's saying, what I long to do in the presence of God is to gaze, to meditate, to, to look into the beauty of God. So I ask you, cannot pagans appreciate beautiful sunrises and sunsets? Yes, they can. God gives creation to the pagans so that they know that there's a God. But David is saying to his people, I want to see your beauty. This is spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14, if you're not in Christ, you cannot see it. This is not just intellectual knowledge that you write in a paper. This is beauty that you can see. This is beauty that you can taste. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Psalmist David is determined to experience the beauty of God's fellowship. That's why he wants his presence. He wants him. That's where the protection is, yes. That's where the salvation is, yes. He wants to live in his beauty. He wants Beauty is the effects of God's goodness to his people. This is why theology is important. To know your God and to be able to gaze. This is my God and how he treats me, how he has treated his people. One guy said these, some of these words, seeking, inquiring, is just David's feeble attempt to try to put words to what he feels. Isn't that true? At times you feel a way about the Lord, you cannot really write that's why we sometimes appreciate books and poetry because we see that they captured something we feel that we couldn't express ourselves. He wants to go deep in the presence of God. He wants to inquire. This is deeper than just seeking. This is seeking earnestly, diligently. No matter what it takes, is what I want. I want to know you. This this we're God-centered confidence. It's not only sustained, but where it grows because we leak. So we devote ourselves. Why this, this verse here particularly was so precious to me. We we spent eight weeks away from God's people and from our families in Congo when we were adopting our children and we couldn't leave our the compound that we stayed in. No one spoke our language. First time I appreciated the missionaries. So, oh, how I longed to hear God's people sing in my language. I remember this. Oh God, I just longed to enjoy the beauty of you with your people. Oh how we do not know what we have. Oh how we neglect it. And listen, devotion to God and His people. Is what sustains our confidence in Him for this life right now. Inquire. I want to delight in you. I want to go deep with you. Look at verse six. This is where. So what we just. This is what we're doing today. How we are sustaining each other's confidence right now. We have gathered together. At in a minute after at the end of service, we're going to give. Giving is just simply an, an outflowing of your confidence in God. If you don't give, you're, it's an expression of your confidence. God will not provide my needs. That's what it means. <laughs> it's what He's doing. He's sitting there going, I just, I want to be in there. I want to, offer my sacrifices of praise, of honor and glory, I want to give my fellowship offerings to show how grateful I am that He saved me. I want to sing. That's what joy in the heart does. God makes us. When we get happy, we've got to sing. That's how I know Micah is at work. He opens the door. What's he doing? Singing. I don't have to worry who that is. That's Micah. What are you singing when he opens the door? What joy does? Then, this is, this is the amazing part. I tried to express triumphantly confident, And then all of a sudden... Drops, and we hear him pleading to God for confidence. You see in verse seven. I mean, this is crying out loud. So what's happening? This is important. Why it's here? That in the midst. Of the everyday heart of life. And as some days we're gonna be able to see God and appreciate him, we're confident, we're walking in our in the mission of God and faithful. And other days we can't hardly really get out of bed. What he does in this moment is abandon himself to God. So what prayer is, you are abandoning yourself to God. So what he's doing, it's not self-pity, it's not. What do we do when our confidence turns to doubt? When we wake up and we've leaked it all out? We only had enough confidence for yesterday. What do we do? Devote ourselves anew and afresh to Him. We abandon ourselves to Him, to His will, to His purpose, for His glory. This is why we are supposed to live and not merely survive. We are people who are saved for the mission of God. And if we don't do it, we'll go into survival mode. We are made to live, we're made to live and beat for Him see this. What's the basis of this abandoning? It's all God-centered. I just wanted you to see it this morning. There's not a lot we could say here. Look at verse 7. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me. That's what he's saying. Hear me, O Lord. Help me, O Lord. Be gracious to me, O Lord. He's abandoned himself to God on the basis, on the grounds of Yahweh being the god His covenant God. His God. He's committed himself to me. Oh God. I feel the fear coming. I feel the doubt seeping in. Hear me. Help me. Be gracious to me. Look at verse 8. He abandons himself to God based off God's love for him. Look at verse 8. It says, You have said. Who has said? The Lord. The Lord has said. Seek my face. Isn't that his message to his people all through scripture? Seek me. I delight in you. Seek me. He says, my heart. My heart says, your face I seek. I know I'm doubting right now, God. But my heart wants to seek you. I want to know you. We can abandon ourselves to God because he loves you. He loves to be sought after does remember Hosea remember his wife (laughs) remember Hosea's wife Gomer remember who you are you're not Hosea we are Gomer we are the ones brothers and sisters who never one day on your best day loves God perfectly and God always loves perfectly that's the point That's why he got Hosea to marry a prostitute. So that his people could see how much I love you. And how imperfectly you love me. Even in understanding that. God will sustain your confidence in him. Hosea 6.3 says. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Seek him. He loves to be sought after. Stop wondering. And start seeking. You cannot seek and not be with His people. Verse 9. I love this honesty. It's why we love the Psalms. Love this honesty. We can abandon ourselves to God in prayer in the worst times in our life. Because we remember God's past acts of salvation and help for us. But yet he's, it's right smack in the middle of honesty. He's saying, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away. Kiss me not. Forsake me not. God, don't, don't, don't treat me like you treat your enemies. Oh God, I remember when you've been my help. He's going back and he says, I remember when you rescued me from the lion and the bear and Goliath and on and on. And so we must know. That yet for God, you'd be in the ditch with a needle in your arm. Yet for God and His grace, you wouldn't be here. You might be in a business making seven figures thinking you don't need Him. God, I remember when you've been my help. Help me now. Look at verse 10. I love this picture. We can abandon ourselves to God the worst times in our life because of our father-son relationship with God. That's what he's saying. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And many people say, well, the David's parents abandon him? Don't believe that's the point. This is a contrast. Why? Because this is our reality, isn't it? In this world, we experience much rejection, don't we? Parents reject their children, children reject their parents, husbands reject their wives, and wives walk out on, on their husbands. We are rejected by friends. We are fired from our jobs. We, are, we have our boyfriends and girlfriends break up on us, and we're not expecting it. No matter the situation, almost daily life, we are being rejected in some Form or fashion, and how your confidence is sustained. It said, Even so, Lord, that the most solid person in my life will walk away from me, you will never do it. That's what he's saying. God will take me in, he will protect me. It's a picture of either covering or this picture that many of us have experienced of your daddy picking you up when standing in the ocean. Putting you on his shoulders so you can enjoy the ocean and not be destroyed by it. It's What God does to his children. And he can say, he can abandon himself to God because this is his desire in verse 11. In the midst of the storm and the battle, God teach me through this. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. I want to follow you. It's the same beat we read over and over in the Psalms. I want to know you. I want to obey you. I want to, you to lead me on the level path. Remember last week, the enemies of God will not stand before him. It is God's people who can stand in confidence before him. Not in arrogance, but because of who they are and because of who he is. David doesn't desire to be like his enemies. He desires to be who he is, God's people. So can I ask you a question? You need to be honest with yourself as I have sought to be honest with myself this week. Would you choose cancer if cancer helps you know God more intimately? If God said, here's the door, you open it up, and cancer's waiting on you, but on, as you go through that, you will experience what it means to gaze into the beauty of the Lord. Or you can open up door number two and I'll give you the American dream. A good education, a good job, a good car, a good house, a good family, an easy life. Retire when you're 54 and go to the beach and collect seashells to Jesus takes you home. Which one would you choose? In that we know where our confidence lies. And what I want you to see today is to answer this question Are you living right now with courage and strength? And I know, and we should teach of how we long for Christ and heaven and all that is impartial to be full. It's not the point of this psalm, though. The point of this psalm is not hold on, heaven is coming. It's not. This is not how David begins and it is not how he ends in verse 13 and 14. And I mean this. And you need to be able to have this conversation with those who know not Christ. What good is a God who promises future glory but offers no present help? It's not what our God offers. Do you remember what He said to His disciples? I will not leave you an orphan. I will send the comforter. He will be your advocate. He will be your strength for the present. Your present confidence that God gives you is your full assurance of future glory. He gives it to us now. He gives us help now. He gives us strength and courage now to live for Him. The mission of God is now. That's so what he says, verse 13. Look at this. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The land of the living is opposite than the land of the dead. So I believe. I'm going to, I'm going to see you. I'm going to, I'm going to experience your goodness in your presence, in your temple, with your people right now. And I'm going to wait for you, because I know what you've promised me. I know you're a good warrior, God, for you have protected me. And I know you're a a wonderful lover, because how much you have loved me. And I will wait for you, because you're worth the wait. I will press in and seek you. I will walk through the hard, if it means knowing you more. I will be strong, not because I can somehow put my own boots on, But because God has promised me that if I seek to know Him, I can find Him. If I devote myself to Him, He will reveal Himself to me, for that's what lovers do. I will gaze on the beauty of God now. I will wait expectantly. That's what that means. An expectancy, an urgency in the waiting. God strengthened, you see it, from the inside out. battleground brothers and sisters and friends you got to preach to yourself you do me preaching to you once a week's not sufficient you're gonna leak by the time you get in the car <laughs> you got to preach this to yourself that's what david's doing in psalms 42 you remember it verse 5 he's talking to himself why are you cast down on my soul why are you why do you in turmoil within me hoping god for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see that? You've got to preach this to yourself. You've got to practice. You've got to preach theology to yourself and then practice it through your devotion to him and his people. God gives you confidence. We see this all through his Bible. You remember Joshua? You can turn to it if you want to. Joshua 1.5, do you remember? Moses dies, he looks out there, and you got these millions of people all of a sudden, hey dude, you're it. <laughs> what would you have said? What would you have felt like in that moment? Uh, where's the easy button? Pass. <laughs> Not me. How did how did the Lord encourage him? He did two things for him. He first says, Joshua, do you remember? You remember how I took care of Moses? Do you remember how I gave him everything he needed to lead these people? Do you remember? Remember, Joshua? Do you remember now? Yes. That's how I'm going to be with you. I don't change, you see, Joshua. Moses came and Moses went. And one day, somebody's going to put you in the ground. David came and David went. God never changes. He's always with His people. That's what we can give our kids. You will die one day. You are not the source of their confidence. Give them Christ or they will perish. This is what we teach them. This is the mission. Then He tells them second thing. Be careful to obey me. You see that? That's the psalm today. Don't miss it. Trust me. I will never leave me. Now devote yourself to do what I say. Both is the source of confidence gained and confidence sustained. Hebrews speaking to a people who are likely just to quit following because of the persecution. Hebrews has encouraged them to persevere. Listen to the very practical side. Hebrews 13 verse 5. It says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look at verse 6. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So here's the question. How do you know that the Lord is your helper? You're free from the love of money. we we'll am going to study this in our growth group, Olympians 4. You're content with what you have and where God places you. That's how you know you have confidence that the Lord is your helper, and that's how you know you do not fear. My question I ask myself over and over, why are pastors so afraid to proclaim the truth? Why can you go to many churches and never hear the word repent? Why can you go to Sunday day after week after week and never hear the word like wrath or propitiation or substitutionary atonement, those kinds of things? Why are we so afraid to say who God is and who man is? Why? You know why, don't you? Because they're afraid to lose their jobs. That's why they keep their mouth closed. That's the fear of man. They're afraid they won't meet their budgets, so they keep their mouth closed. That's why... The Word of God says, Don't, you shouldn't fear man. You should fear God who can destroy both the body and the soul. Fear me. Proclaim the truth. For I told you to do so. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of finances so you rob God? Or are you afraid of failure so you won't take on the office or ministry that God has clearly gifted you to do? Fear keeps you from walking in the door. Is it open? Walk through it. It's not about you. It's about reflecting the God that's in you. The Lord is both a warrior and a lover. And so are we. But we don't win the victory. He's already won it. Amen. He's already won it through Christ. He beckons His people now to come. To seek. To live under His Lordship. Under His Lordship is where there's safety, protection, passion. For God gave us a spirit. Brothers and sisters. He gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I told you about this book, this biography of John G. Patton, missionary in the midst of cannibals that ate people around him on a regular basis, especially the the new ones and their enemies. They were having a feast. And guess what the point of the feast was? And they were going to be some of the star people at the feast. Not not their guest, but the meal. And somebody reminded him that there was an old revolver hidden where they were staying and said, maybe you can get it and maybe you can at least keep them away so that we keep our lives. Listen to what he said. I had gone to save and not to destroy. It would be easier for me at any time to die than to kill one of them. Our safety lay in our appeal to that blessed Lord who had placed us there and to whom all power had been given in heaven and on earth. He that was with us was more than all that could be against us. This is strength. This is peace to feel in entering on every day that all its duties and trials have been committed to the Lord Jesus. That come what may, He will refuse, He will use us for His own glory and our real good. All through that dreadful morning and far into the afternoon, we thus abode together, feeling conscious that we were united to this dear Lord Jesus. And we had sweet communion with him. Meditating on the wonders of his person. And the hope and glories of his kingdom. Oh that all my readers may learn something of this in their own experience. Of the Lord. I can wish them nothing more precious. It is through the very hardest times in your life. That we get to experience the most precious power of his sustaining grace. So, Lord, we lay this psalms now into our lives to apply. Lord, I know that there is real fear and real doubt and real tired in all of our lives and many of the hearts here. And so, Lord, would you give confidence For us to see there is a life to live. There is our God that is meant for us to be enjoyed now. That our enjoyment and our devotion, our obedience now is determining something of the weight of glory then. Give us an urgency, God. To spit out the American dream and to give your dream for us. To follow you, to know you, to be on your mission until you get through with what we have to do. Oh God, help us now. As we just now want to enjoy you. To worship you. To commit ourselves now through music. And devote ourselves afresh to walking in courage and strength in the heart of this life. To seek the pleasures of God in the midst of the trial. Show it to us, God. Kiss your people on the cheek today to know how loved they are. Receive our worship As a sacrifice of praise, now. We pray in Jesus' name.